The Tablet Show, episode 35, with guest Miguel de Acaza. Recorded live Friday, May 25th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Miguel de Acaza about how Xamarin has ported Android to C-sharp. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to The Tablet Show. We're uh, here with Miguel de Acaza. He'll be joining us in just a minute. Hey, Richard. Howdy, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. No rest for the wicked, as somebody I know from Canada likes to say. Once in a while, hey, it's another sunny weekend. I'm going to barbecue. What can I tell you? I'm happy. There's a surprise. Yeah, I know. I'm shocking you. I'm out of control. Speaking of shock, I got a great story for uh, Better Know Framework today. Hit it. All right, what do you got? So this is a blog post by Mikhail Koskinen. Sorry if I got your pronunciation wrong, Mikhail. Anyway, if you go to tinyurl.com slash wrtsemzoom, as in semantic zoom, wrtsemzoom, Mm -hmm. he wrote this great blog post. uh, It's just from May. uh, WinRT step-by-step tutorial MVVM plus grid view plus semantic zoom. That's some goodness right there. And uh, he steps you through creating the project in VS11, creating uh, all of the code. It's all there beautifully styled and the semantic zoom is the real part i think that's new for most folks just this idea of changing how these things look as their size changes yeah they took a nod from that silverlight deep zoom stuff that where you just keep zooming in on something and then more and more detail appears as you do it it's sort of you can go on infinitely but anyway the the idea is that your app changes like you said as you zoom in and the whole UI can change. Th- things can pop in and out of existence. Uh, so it gives you really um, the ability to walk along the Z-axis in, in a way that you've never been able to do before. Nice. Great blog post. Yeah. So we don't really have any uh, comments or emails today, right, Richard? No. no there's a few, but they, you know, folks tend to write many, many paragraphs, and it's very tough to read those yeah. on the show. So. You know, if you really want to be read right on the show and get a mug, you got to keep it quick. A couple of paragraphs. Yeah. This is the best show I've ever heard. Or you guys suck. Go away. <laughs> One or the other. Uh, yeah. And can I have a mug? Won't qualify. Yeah. Yeah. We don't just hand them out for asking. Sorry. Uh, you got to entertain the audience. That's what it's all about. Well, anyway, let's introduce Miguel de Acaza. He was on show number four. Uh, he has directed the Mono Project since its creation in 2001 and oversaw the launches of Mono's desktop, server, and mobile offerings at Novell. Before Mono, he started writing free software in 1992 and co-founded the GNOME project in 1997. In 1999, Miguel co-founded Zimian with Nat, who is uh, his uh, partner in crime right now. He also worked on the Midnight Commander File Manager, Numeric, and the Linux Kernel. He serves as an advisor at Stack Exchange, 
He's received the Free Software Foundation 1999 Free Software Award, the MIT Technology Review Innovator of the Year Award in 1999, and was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Innovators for the New Century in September 2000. Welcome back, Miguel de Acasa. Thank you very much, guys. How's it going? Oh, it's great. And there's always new stuff to talk about. You guys are going nuts with C-sharp over there at Xamarin. What have you done? What are you doing? <laughs> Well, we uh, we continue to love the language, and um, and well, first of all, we're very excited about what's coming up with C sharp five. Yes, uh, with all the async uh, uh, primitives, and I think that Microsoft really nailed that one um, yep. when they said uh, we're going to be designing APIs where our focus is really async, and uh, and we're going to start with async first. So we're we're kind of taking the ball and running with it now. And transplanting all of those ideas and APIs into into our kind of our own universe. So Microsoft continues to steer the language, but we like to bring it to our universe. And we kind of live in a different world. We live in the world of uh, of um, of iPhones and iPads and and Android phones and uh, and Macintoshes. Yeah. So we're so we're basically bringing that stuff over, um, bringing it to to people outside of the Windows ecosystem. Uh, including native client, which we're also very excited about. And uh, the the news that we want to talk about, of course, is what you're doing with Android. Oh, okay. Well, um, so we, we we've done two things with Android. Uh, the first one is uh, today we 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 do have a product for people to use C Sharp uh, to target Android, uh, the Android operating system, right? Uh, both phones and tablets, and um, and you know our our pitch is the same. Um, well, no, actually, our pitch has changed a little bit. Our pitch is continue to use C Sharp, uh, which is a fabulous language. Continue to use the libraries you know and love, and uh, and 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 basically make your code available to a whole class of new users or on a new platform. Mm. Uh, so, if you had a Silverlight app or a Windows Desktop app or a Windows Server app, uh, come and bring that code over to to Android or iOS. Uh, and the idea is is you know you won't be able to bring. Uh, Silverlight directly to Android, right? Yeah. You're gonna have to rewrite the UI, just like you can't really bring an ASP.NET app to, uh, you know, to Silverlight or to the desktop. You you need to rewrite the UI. So mm. we're we're helping people do that um, with our current product. Now the other thing, and you're probably the one you're probably most excited about is uh, is this uh, kind of a stunt that we did, which was could we and and uh, could we port. Uh, the Android Java source code to C Sharp, and, yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> kind we, of a stunt. Yeah, it is. A, it's a it's a very cute stunt, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it actually happened uh, because some people were talking. Uh, you know, in our when we incorporated the company last year, it was a, about a year ago that we incorporated. Actually, uh, I think that the anniversary was today that we announced our CEO. Um, but uh, you know, we organized quickly a conference in I think it was June. Uh, where we got everybody together here in 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 uh, in Boston, and the team was wondering, uh, you know, what could we do to make Android faster? Uh, because you know, Mono on Android is limited not really by Mono itself, but because Dalvik is is kind of a young VM. It's a very young, uh, sort of immature, not very fast virtual machine, and uh, and Mono has you know it just has ten years. Worth of extra development and tuning and mm. and optimizations that they don't have, uh, and also you know there's some certain there's there's some design decisions that the C sharp designers made that make 
make it easier to optimize C sharp than it is to optimize Java and make faster code with C sharp than Java. So uh, we were talking about what could we do about this, and uh, and somebody and somebody suggested at the, at the table maybe we should uh, maybe we should do a source code translation. Uh, we call it a transpiler. So effectively use uh, use a Java compiler to output C sharp and generate C sharp that we could actually maintain and and evolve. So the idea lingered for a while, and. Uh, and one good day, we decided that it was worth a shot. I think that I think that uh, we had read somewhere that Google has said uh, we've looked at other options, and Java is the only viable option. Mm. And we're thinking, wait, wait a minute, that that doesn't even make sense. Um, so so we decided a little bit of a dare. Uh, could we translate the Android source code from Java to C sharp? And and now we have an answer, and the answer is yes, uh, it can be done. Um, we would say that probably 95% of the work can be automated by by a tool that we used. Uh, we used an open source tool called Sharpen, and we extended it significantly so that uh, so that it would cope with the modern idioms in Java, more advanced use of Java that it supported, and uh, and we also hard coded some optimizations so it would know automatically to replace certain data types in Java with more efficient C sharp data types, that sort of thing. So um, at the end of this experiment, we basically have a, we have a pipeline that allows us to port um, arbitrary codes of Android code from Java to C sharp. Mm. So I think that the you know the end of the experiment is uh, yes, uh, a C sharp version of Android is possible. Uh, it is faster. It's also a lot faster. Uh, huh. the, third, yeah. the third component is we don't need to replace all of Android at once. We can take individual pieces of Android and swap them out in our own products. So yeah. instead of going through a slow Java execution, we can have fast C-sharp execution. So we'll be integrating some of that work. So basically, uh, this, this, this stunt was not in vain. So what's the end game? I mean, do you, where do you first see this going? Well, so, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I don't think, I think that there's just too much inertia, inertia behind uh, Android as it is today. Yeah. Uh, even with lawsuits, uh, w- even with the lawsuits in the news and things like that, I think that uh, Google would probably at this point just, you know, buy or give Oracle whatever billion dollars they need uh, before they they would reboot their ecosystem. Which is, you know, w- we've seen with Microsoft how hard it is to bootstrap a new ecosystem from yeah. scratch. So I think that it's not realistic to expect. Uh, uh, that despite the fact that C-Sharp is faster and despite the fact that C-Sharp and .NET, the core of them, uh, which is all that we use, are have very strong patent and copyright covenants, um, I don't think it's. I don't think we can expect Google to uh, to adopt it just because bootstrapping a new yeah. uh, SDK would be so tough. Uh, you don't think we'll see a, a Kindle Fire C-Sharp edition anytime soon? I think it's going to be very difficult, even if we had the whole thing. I mean, there is... Uh, there's those guys in uh, in Taiwan has a couple of operating systems that have not really succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Symbian, there's Baidu, there's uh, Tizen. Uh, there's all kinds of mobile operating systems that are popping up left and right. Mozilla has one called Boot to Gecko. Uh, there's WebOS that also you know they they flared up and then kind of vanished. Mm. So. I think it's a tough place. I, I, a tough place. It's uh, it almost feels sometimes that it's a two horse race uh, between iOS and Android, yeah. and the rest really 
you know, Windows Phone with all the marketing behind it is having a tough time. So best case scenario, you'll have those three. I don't think there's room for a Android version of C Sharp. So that being said, like I said, there's there's a, bo- a lot of things that that are positives about this research. I think there are three pieces. Mm. One that we can we now have a technology that allows very large uh, chunks of Java code to be ported to C Sharp. Yeah, that's so, great. Uh, you know, that could be Hadoop, that could be all those new distributed uh, work and distributed systems and databases and online storage that have historically been done in Java um, to be done now with C Sharp. Uh, the second piece is for our products, for people that are actually interested in doing C Sharp on Android, we're going we're gonna to be able to take individual pieces of this work and transplant it into our product. So they'll be faster and they'll be better than the Android counterparts. So you're for your mono for Android, for example, instead of have, you know, if you already have an Android product, instead of having to recode all that in C Sharp, if you want to use mono for Android, then oh, you can just port it over. Yep, exactly. Mm. Um, so those are kind of the two major outcomes of this. And, um, and so again, I don't think we're going to see Android Sharp uh, become a major operating system <laughs> player, but it was, it, it was very educational. And I think that the results are, we now have a technology for any .NET developer to use to, uh, to transpile. We call this transpilation, uh, kind of a funny name. But, transpilation, yeah. Uh, but now we have a technology for bringing large swaths of Java code over, and there are immediate uh, benefits to our own users. Well, now that you've messed around with operating systems, is that is that something that you want to get into? I mean, you could obviously write your own operating system for mobile devices yourself. You guys have the, the know-how and uh, the understanding of, of OSs and certainly of frameworks having done mono. Um, is that is that something that you think you might want to pursue in the future? Let me no. Let me tell you what we what we want to pursue. The way that we see the world is that developers um, we want to love the developer. And today, I think that the company that has historically loved the developer the most was Microsoft. So they were ahead of the curve when it came to pleasing and and catering to the needs of developers uh, with all of their initiatives. But the, the problem in general is that, and, and that was, and this direction was very well aligned in the 90s and the early 2000s because developers were, the large majority were targeting Windows. So mm-hmm. uh, so Microsoft was a one-stop shop for for developers. But the reality is that Microsoft has always funded developers as a, it's a means to an end to support their platforms. Mm. They love developers so long as they're developing for .NET, which, you know, you, you really can't blame them for that. That's what they do. That's their product. Um, but I think that uh, that today there's a void for for loving developers. Um, you know, Apple developed great tools, again, if you target their operating system. Mm. Uh, so Apple, and, and Apple's focus is not really the developer. The Apple focus is really the the, the user, the consumer. So their developers are kind of a means to an end. Um, Android, on the other hand, is not really optimized for either consumers or or developers. It's really optimized for uh, for OEMs. Yeah. So it's operating system designed for Samsung. It's designed to please Samsung and L- and GE and LTE and all of these companies, LG and this, all these mobile uh, vendors. Although hardcore geeks who can basically become their OEM to make their own version of Android. Right, but nobody's being pampered for that purpose, right? Not at all. But, you know, the best Android phones I've seen are the ones that have been built by, you know, guys that were really hardcore geeks that have stripped out all of the carrier stuff. 
Absolutely. But we think that there's a big void because neither Apple or Microsoft or Google is really loving the developer. Um, mm. They are paying strategy taxes or their strategy is completely mm. different. So we see our role here as creating the best developer experiences uh, for developers. And we're starting, we, we think that we're picking up the best pieces. So we're picking, you know, there was a time where people said that macOS was a great operating system because they picked what was at the time the state-of-the-art language, Objective-C, mm -hmm. state-of-the-art rendering technology, uh, PDF and display PostScript, uh, state-of-the-art uh, kernel with the Mac uh, kernel uh, uh, from Carnegie Mellon. So we like to think that we're taking that sort of a role in that we're picking the best, uh, the state-of-the-art language, which is C-sharp and the .NET framework, and we're targeting the major operating systems uh, that people are using on mobile. Mm. So today we're starting with iOS and Android, but we want to expand this uh, to what people are using. So like you said at the beginning of the show, uh, historically I was very committed to, you know, it was a little bit of an ideological battle of uh, we're going to make Linux win, but that was kind of an uphill battle. And, uh, and it was all about believing in this free software world and making that free software world relevant. Um, Today, we, we are m much more pragmatic, and our goal really is to build the best developer tools and the best developer environment for developers. And uh, our focus is really on the platforms that matter today. So that is iOS and Android, and we want to please those developers. But we see a couple of very interesting trends in the horizon. Uh, uh, Google Native Client uh, is starting to pick up. It's a fascinating platform. Tell and me about that. <clears throat> so... Native Client is a very interesting approach at running native code in the browser. So today, as you might, as everybody's aware, there's been a, a kind of a, a race to provide the best JavaScript engine uh, between all the browser vendors. But it doesn't matter how much you optimize JavaScript, we're, you're still running. It's, it's a language that was not designed for performance, mm. and it's limited in what you can do, not really designed for large applications uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't build them. It's just it doesn't help you build them. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's a relatively slow language compared to native code, uh, despite all the great work that's been done. So Google actually took a very interesting approach. And they basically said, is it possible that we could run x86 code or ARM code uh, in a way that it, uh, in a way that it, that it runs natively, but in a safe way. So can we run x86 code safely? Um, Microsoft tried this a few years ago called, uh, with a technology called ActiveX. Mm. Uh, but the solution at the time was, we're going to trust that a guy that signs up an agreement with Microsoft will not do anything nasty. And the problem with trust is that either, you know, somebody can be doing something nasty behind the scenes, or B, uh, they made an honest mistake and their software is exploitable. Right, So it's an honest mistake, it's an honest bug. So the approach that Google has taken with native client is one where uh, there, there doesn't need to be a level of trust. You don't need to trust an individual. Uh, you don't need to trust their intentions or you need to trust their technical capabilities. Mm. Instead, they've created a sandbox environment that allows you to run native code safely inside the browser. So today this thing is enabled on uh, Chrome. If you use a, a Chrome browser, uh, Chrome now has it enabled by default. And uh, a lot of the high-performance games that you see in the Chrome store are actually powered by a native client. That's really the only way you could get that performance uh, out of a browser app. 
they don't really advertise that, but uh, you know, if you run these games, you'll see that these these games that run really fast are actually uh, built using either C plus plus or 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 Mono actually uh, hmm. using C sharp. So one of my favorite games uh, that you can go and purchase right now, uh, if you're listening and you have your Chrome browser window open, is called Bastion. Um, and uh, actually, there's a trial for the first level, so you don't even need to purchase, but you'll end up purchasing it because it won every possible award um, out there. Supergiant? Uh, yeah, from Supergiant Games. That's yep. right. I just used the native desktop version that also runs with Mono. Wow, and, cool. uh, so, you know, we think that there's going to be a big potential in native client. So today we're focusing on Android and iOS. That's our first uh, goal, make mobile developers incredibly happy. And uh, we're dipping our toes in, in other things like native client or Mac uh, development. But, uh, but we want to fill that role. We want to fill that void that has been left now that Microsoft is too focused on Windows. And now that Windows is not the only player in town, especially with the... Uh, with mobile devices and servers, uh, and, the, and the server, the lion share going to Unix. Yeah, that's our vision. So, building a new operating system is not really our thing. Right. We we really want to be we want to be identi- We want every developer to just uh, you know think of Xamarin fondly, like people used to think of Turbo Pascal. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. You certainly are um, allowing us to extend our reach into, into iOS and Android without having to relearn anything. And, and you know, we, we typically get pushback on, and, and I'm sure you do too, on mono touch and mono for Android because because it isn't the the stuff that Apple offers, therefore it must be you know some sort of translation layer or this and that or there might be stumbling blocks and and uh, as we found out just recently, no, in fact it it runs fast, it runs native code, and everything's named the same except for the dot right in the namespace. You have a uh, you have uh, uh, prefixes, but that's about it. Right, and I think that uh, it's it's good to look at how things evolve also in the Microsoft world. I mean, uh, people developed applications with uh, with third party compilers for years before Microsoft had their own tools. So, yeah. because the, the vendor doesn't, you know, the operating system vendor publishes their tool chain doesn't mean uh, it's necessarily what you want to use. Um, and and the other thing, really, uh, I mean, when we look at this space, what we're here doing is we're not just we're not telling you don't learn the platform. You're going to need to learn new tricks. Uh, and I think that as programmers, we're all fascinated by new technology. So I don't think it's really about not learning. 
you will be learning new tricks about Android, about iOS, about native clients. So I think that every software developer loves learning new stuff. Uh, R pitch really is not about not learning. R pitch really is C sharp is quite a fantastic language and. Uh, I remember my fondest memories of C Sharp were that the compiler was warning me or giving me errors uh, that in C were considered to be okay problems. So, uh, and these warnings and errors basically meant that I didn't have these bugs. I remember that I spent years of my life in, in front of these, uh, uh, these tools like uh, Purify or Insure. And I remember that about 90% of the errors that these very advanced tools caught in my C programs could have been uh, spotted by the compiler, uh, but the language spec didn't mm. allow that. So, and and C sure build those things into the language. Like, I mean, the most obvious one is uh, you cannot use this variable before assigning to it. That these days we kind of take it for granted, but you have to remember that C and Objective C programmers uh, can still use variables without them being assigned, right? So mm. it's not about not learning. It's about C sharp has solved. I mean, like this problem. There's hundreds of other small problems that C-Sharp has solved. So we think it's a fabulous language. Uh, we think that the libraries that it uses are, are fabulous, and we want to blend those things together, just like Apple did with macOS initially. We want to take a blend of the best operating system. In this, uh, so if you want to use the best APIs on iOS with the best language that it's out there, with the best .NET and Objective-C APIs, uh, we'll let you blend uh, .NET with Objective-C transparently. So. Yeah. Uh, we want to think of ourselves as we've made a great blend for people. There are other companies, I think, that that love developers. I mean, I totally get where you're coming from, Miguel. That the problem is with the pra with the platform fragmenting. Each of the companies responsible for those platforms are defending them now, and developers are being caught in the middle. But you know, you as soon as you said that, who loves developers? The first guys I thought of, besides you, is uh, GitHub. Yes, they also, they absolutely, and uh, you have no idea how much we love GitHub. Um, <laughs> we all love GitHub. It's just a love fest. It, it is amazing, isn't it? GitHub, I mean, we, uh, you know, all, as you know, Mono is entirely hosted on GitHub, and those guys were incredibly, incredibly nice in that, you know, there's a limit on how much space you can use. Uh, Mono has a has an ex a special ex exception from the GitHub guys to uh to go beyond the quota, so uh, the entire open source effort, and these are hundreds and hundreds of modules, um, you know, get a special exception so we can host it there for free. Any other, you know, who are your favorite companies besides GitHub that uh, that are, are, I really think, a part of this, you know, uh, relationship with developers? Stack Exchange, definitely. Uh, I think that Stack Exchange is definitely on the top of those. Uh, they really do love, the, I mean, uh, who hasn't really used Stack Exchange recently? I think it's just by default. Uh, yeah, they're all over the web, and they do love developers. Richard and I love developers, don't we, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, we do. Yes, I think that the ecosystem in large, because you got uh, folks like you guys that are trying to pitch new ideas, uh, get new ideas into the discussion, kind of into the pool, uh, and that's very important. And then you got uh, you know the GitHub guys that just do code hosting. We try to do tools. Uh, you know, there's other companies like Telerik that do great components everywhere. So it's a large space. Uh, we just like to think of, we just like to think that it's kind of a, uh, it's a space that not every company is focusing on. So we want to, we want to be that. That's what we want to be. I think Don Box loves developers. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there because of your history. I love Don Box, but he loves Scum more than he loves developers. And 
And calm is like being punched in the face. (laughs) 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 And calm's making a comeback, Miguel. You know, uh, all us old developers are looking at WinRT and going, hey, look, calm. (laughs) Yeah, it feels good when you stop, right? (laughs) That's how it's like a punch in the face. I know that there's a lot of excitement. It's like, wow, they discovered calm, but uh, it's you know, I think that everybody in the in the industry is asking, what are they thinking? Well, fortunately, we don't have to write calm directly. You know, they've managed to use it without exposing it so intimately, and that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. My only wondering about the C plus plus developers, and because they're going to have to interface pretty heavily at the calm layer there too. Yeah. Well, and they get more for it. You know, I have to say, Apple in this particular case, this something that is beyond amazing. Uh, I think that they've done some of the most advanced compiler research in decades uh, with uh, with this thing they call automatic reference counting. Um, and had Microsoft done something like that for Com, uh, well, actually, Com is made of a lot of different. Uh, it's like a buffet of bad food. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the metaphor hour here at the tablet show. It, it, reference counting would be like the on, uh, like the appetizer. So Apple has made it so reference counting is not a problem for them anymore. Um, and Microsoft didn't really solve that piece. Uh, and you know, Com still has the entree and the dessert and the drink, and they're all still pretty bad. So it's. Um, Anyways, I I don't know what's going on over there. Well, have you looked at the latest version of Windows 8? Oh, I I have a Windows 8 machine on my desktop. Uh it's um it's it's a very fresh new experience. Yeah. Windows Phone's pretty cool. I mean, the Lumia 900, I just got one a couple of days ago and I'm loving it way more than I ever thought I would. Believe it or not. Yeah, I think it's a, I think they did a good I mean, yes, let me tell you. I I think that everybody agrees that it's it's bold. Uh, they didn't just copy Apple, which is what Android kind of did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They had a lot in terms of new ideas, in, in, in a lot on how do we solve problems in a unique new way. So kudos to them for that. Um, on the other hand, personally, not really a fan of, the, of, this, uh, of, this color, of these color choices that they've made. It's almost like they're uh, burning my retina. Um, you know, the back of my eye with these colors. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, it feels like I'm using a, an Ikea product, uh, you know, very <laughs> Is that because you're a Mac monochrome guy? You're just used to it? I don't like the Google, the new Google uh, UI redesign that they're doing. Uh, and I, and for the same reason, I don't really like the, the Windows 8 or Windows Phone UIs. Mm. Just not my thing. It's- well, and I'm wondering if we're going to be able to apply themes to Win 8 to go more monochrome or more pastel, if that's your way you want to go. Just more subdued, yeah. So first of all, that would be a big step because right now Windows Phone is, like I said, it's kind of it's like kind of like having a laser pointed at your eye and it's burning your retina. But even if we fix that, the, the other issue is this simplistic design, this this very clean design. It might be very enticing to a lot of people, but I like more my uh, um, I like more of these little details. Uh, um, you know, when you look at macOS, the the 
the the bar at the bottom has a little bit of reflection. It's cute. They have little shadowy indicators with a nice uh, gradient there. Um, you know, I like that more. It's uh, it makes me feel a little bit better than uh, uh, than this very square, very clean, very linear design. So I mean, kudos to Microsoft for taking that bold step. It's just not for my. I, I just don't enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I also wonder if this is not a product that isn't built for us. That's not for the geek, but for the mortal. You know, yes. the regular people are this. They can relate to it. Yeah, my I, the other day I, I jumped into a taxi and the guy was using a Windows phone and I was impressed. Uh, I was impressed, and the guy seemed to be using it very well. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is simple. So I, I, it's possible that it's uh, that it will appeal to a lot of people. It's just to me the aesthetics is uh, not really my thing. I think if we actually took the time as hardcore geeks, we'd find uh, an Android configuration that would make us happy just because it seems to me it's the most configurable and it gets you closest to the metal all the time. I just don't know that I have those cycles. Uh, Yeah, it's very well possible. And I have to be also honest, uh, you know, for all the praise that Apple gets for their hardware, I'm not a fan of the silver. You Mm -hmm. know, I have a silver Mac because that's all you can get, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I like more their black MacBook that they had a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I picked up one of uh, Asus's uh, Ultrabooks and nicest laptop I've ever owned. And yeah. I, admittedly, it's an Air knockoff, but they made some nice improvements. It's 1600 by 900. Like, there's enough resolution there. But, you know, gorgeous machine. The silver case, I like them black. I like, uh, I like my laptops like I like my... Yeah, yeah that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was he really going that's there? a different show that's mondays <laughs> so kudos to microsoft for this it's just not my thing and uh but you know we'll use whatever needs to be used so just like i have to use a silver mac uh, uh i'll use a windows 8 metro app mm-hmm. it's, it's what we've got to use for the work we're doing one way or the other and i think that's an interesting point is in the end there's still a requirement set beyond the aesthetic. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm wondering, you know, we've gotten a long way away from that with cell phones these days. I think Apple worries less about, you know, they've gotten so good at selling the style, the aesthetic, that the functionality is coming in second place. And I'm wondering if that's what their weakness is going to be. Um, we'll see about that. I think uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, the jury's still out on that. You know the 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 tension in the app store for for developers is palpable these days. The we, every day there's a story about an app being pulled or you know something going on, and at the same time you got you know the Google App Store is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, uh, it's tough because now the distribution channel is uh, are these app stores, and uh, to some extent, I wish you could Google and just run the app or. You know, yeah. install and run the app like the web does because uh, the discoverability of uh, of applications is is pretty bad on on these app stores. But it's just it's a it's it's I guess it's a good problem to have. Yeah, but you know, let's jump back to your point about Bastion in the in the Google Store on your Chrome browser because you said the most salient thing there. You start out playing this in the browser. Once you're hooked on the game, now you committed to actually downloading and installing it properly, right? Uh, you can. It's it's all that that particular one is the liver of the web, believe it or not. I think it installs okay. a cached version on your system. It's possible that it installs a cached version. Yeah, I, I have it cached. Right. 
but it's just thinking about that business model that we i'm i'm not going to get you hooked and commit to the install process up front i'm going to let you play for a while first get you drawn into the game there's good space for apple and google to improve their their stacks and, and microsoft too uh for their app stores but um but I, I definitely think that people do enjoy more native applications than 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 web applications and mobile devices. The I mean, in the end, you got to take advantage of the platform. Yeah, yeah. And I think I I was just tweeting that the other day. Uh, I I didn't realize this, but uh, the the Facebook app went from being an app with five stars to be an app with two stars uh, when they made their switch to HTML. They basically said we're going to. Uh, to reuse our stack everywhere, and they ended up with a pretty terrible experience uh, across the board. But I got to call out this side, uh, you know, dude, that's what you sell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Your bu- your business has created this pra- cross-platform experience, and in- while we're advocating native, like, no, this no, is an no. interesting problem. It, it is an interesting problem, but what we're, what we're telling people is share the code that, uh, share your business logic, but rip out the UI. Build a right. new UI that is native on each platform. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people come to us and say, well, why shouldn't we just use HTML? And we say, well, I mean, if you want to use HTML, be my guest. Uh, but I, th- I think that Facebook is a very telling example uh, where they yeah. went from five stars native to we can do everything in HTML and they went to two and mm-hmm. the comments are not pretty. Uh, and uh, you'll notice that even Google, I mean, they're, they're Google... Uh, the Google Plus API, it's a gorgeous uh, app. Uh, it's a very native app. And uh, probably the worst Google product that I'm using today on my iPhone is Google Talk because they said, oh, we're not going to build a native uh, IAM client. Instead, we're going to build a uh, an HTML app. And that is just the worst app I've ever used in my life. I, I, I'm not even sure why Google would allow that out of, uh, you know, out the door. The only thing that uh, keeps me from using html apps on an iphone let's say is speed right i I mean just a native app is really quick and if i got to download all those images and all that stuff just to switch a screen oh and i just tried to use a google talk app again and i got an internal server error error 500 so (laughs) 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 well miguel uh what's next for you what are you working on now Oh, we have a lot of uh, things, but I can't really talk about those. We're really, you know, I don't want to pre-announce anything that is not fully baked. Um, You're porting Windows to Java, aren't you? <laughs> well, I can tell you something that we did announce, and uh, and that we're uh, the only thing preventing me from releasing is uh, is uh, I haven't had a lot of time to put together the blog post and the um, and and the and the first trial and the documentation that goes with it, but. Um, you know, Anders Kelsberg is very busy with C Sharp fixing really hard problems in the language. So adding, he added a link, then he added dynamic, then they added async, and all of those require, require fundamental changes in the way the compiler and the library work. Mm. And um, so he's been solving really hard problems. But in the meantime, we feel that he's neglected uh, some of the syntactic sugar and some of the things that could make the life of programmers easier. So there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in the language. And kind of whenever people say, why don't you guys add this or that uh, to the language, the response that you hear from the C-Sharp team is usually, well, somebody would need to PM that, they would need to write the spec, we would need to get it translated mm. into 15 languages. So we tend not to do that for small little things, and we do it for the big picture things, which is 
it fair. It's a it's a fair reason for Microsoft to do. But I think that uh, the time has come for C Sharp to evolve. So we've been internally, uh, you know, we've we've been posting this for years, and uh, we've been talking about these changes for years, and we have proof of concepts, and we have full patches and compilers out. Uh, but we've never really wanted to pull the trigger on this, um, on on having a fork of the C Sharp language, and that was because we valued tremendously being able to go back and forth between these two. So, um, so what we've been uh, working on is is uh, is in a superset, a strict superset of C Sharp. So it doesn't change the way the uh, the way that C Sharp works. Every C Sharp program is an is an X Sharp. We're calling it right now X Sharp, but um, you know the the name might change. Uh, so every C sharp program is an X sharp program, but X sharp adds a number of uh, of little things of uh, syntactic sugar that makes the life of programmers uh, easier. So I presented that recently at the um, uh, New York City uh, .NET user group, and uh, the next thing that I need to do is turn that into a full presentation of what we're doing. But um, we believe that now we have the pieces where it would make sense for us to. Uh, to fully launch the language. And by that, I mean, you would be able to use it from Visual Studio. You would get IntelliSense from Visual Studio uh, and MonoDevelop. So historically, we didn't do it because we lacked some of those components and technology to do it, mm -hmm. to drive the adoption. But we think that now that we have those pieces in place uh, and they've taken us years to develop, uh, we can push this thing. And uh, in kind of uh, what we want to do with the, some of the goals of the language is to make it... Um, is to make C Sharp more attractive to the scripting community, uh, make C Sharp more attractive to people that don't really want to type a lot. So some of the things that we want to do, I mean, there's some very simple things, and you can see the, our prototypes in our blog. We wanted, we introduced the, this thing called string interpolation. So instead of having to write string.format, hello, uh, squiggly, zero squiggly, how is it going? Um, you can write, uh, hello, quote, well, you're right, uh, quote, hello, squiggly, name, squiggly, uh, how are you doing, hmm. right? And the idea is that you can, uh, that the string formats actually contain references to variables and right. properties directly in uh, in the string. So you don't have to actually be matching your parameters with your zeros and ones and threes, uh, which is fine when you have zero, one, two, three, but when you have 20 of those things or nine of those things, you end up with some pretty indecipherable um, string formats. I don't think anybody ever enjoys that. So. Um, so we're adding things like that. We're making classes and methods optional. Uh, we're making uh, the REPL is a first-class citizen. So uh, X Sharp has a REPL from the get-go. It's not something that gets baked uh, baked in. Um, you can write X Sharp script, so you don't have to compile this thing. You can just say SS space and the name of a script, and it will run, and it will run the thing. Wow, that's cool. We've added tuple support, so in, uh, so when you return values, instead of saying tuple int comma string, you just say int comma string parenthesis, and that's a valid return. So that means that returns can be multi-valued. So it's basically a little bit of uh, syntactic sugar around tuple, so you don't you don't have to end up using tuples, which are just um, not, not very pretty. Uh, and of course, you can do uh, you can do tuple assignments like you can do in Perl. So you can say, for example. Uh, a com uh, parenthesis a comma b parenthesis equals an i an i enumerable, and it will automatically assign the first value from the i enumerable to a, and the second value to b, for example. Or you know you can extract elements from an array by saying parenthesis a comma b comma c equals an array, 
and it will assign the first element to A, the second to B, the third to C. Hmm. So uh, things like that. Um, so I'm I'm working on a on a on a blog post with everything that we uh, that we've prototype and that we want to put in this language. Awesome. Sounds like you have some stuff to talk about later on. So we'll definitely have you back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not really tablet related, but uh, yeah, no, that's good. It's all good. Nerds would like this. Uh, a lot of our listeners are your customers, so it's it's just good. Well, thanks, Miguel. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and and uh, thanks for doing all the hard work, man. You're awesome. No, thank you for you guys because you guys also, you know, in this ecosystem, you're also doing, uh, you know, a lot of work to promote uh, better developer practices. And- ah, we just talk. We actually we listen. You talk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he has to do it, right? Yeah, that's true. It's good fun. Good fun of the show. So. Um, you guys are a valuable resource. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. All right. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.